Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. There was a, a young man and a young woman who went to the county courthouse to the county clerk to get a marriage license. And when they went to that counter, they filled out all the paperwork and the county clerk handed to them the marriage license. <laughs> and then he warned the man. He said, now listen, this license is only good for 30 days. And all of a sudden, the man kind of lost it. No, 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 no. And he pushed that license back. And, he, and the clerk, what, what's wrong? He said, I want the license that lasts until death do us part. Yeah, he misconstrued <laughs> what the clerk was telling him. All right. Today, I want to speak to you about marriage. Until death do us part. And what is so important for us here is that we don't misconstrue what God wrote through the hand of Moses about marriage. So I want to kind of go through our reading once again. Look at Genesis chapter 2 with me and the verses we read. And open your eyes to maybe some of these things. Verse 18. Now the background is this. God created the heavens and the earth, the earth, everything in seven days. That's why we have a seven-day week. Now, God created man and woman on the sixth day. And God said it like this. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Notice the plural second pronoun, us and our. That's because the creator from the beginning is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A union. But yet, God is one. And we're told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Okay? In chapter 2, it is God who clarifies how he created woman. Man from mud and dirt and the woman from a rib. And then, so nobody would misconstrue marriage, he clearly describes who should marry and what it's about. And the proof... That it's natural. Let's look at it. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. We learn from our God, our creator God, he's relational. He wants us to be in relation with others and with him. I will make him a helper fit for him. A helper suitable for him. A helper that corresponds to him. Not the same, kind of like a left hand and a right hand. Okay? Something that matches up for him, that's good for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper 
fit for him. Isn't it interesting? We learn in scripture that God gives names to every star in the universe. Folks, that's what many believe is 200 billion trillion stars. But he gives man the authority and the right to name all the beasts of the field. And they come to him two by two. Male and female. Hen and drake. And naturally, Adam sees this, the pairing, and he knows that they follow the command of God to multiply and fill the earth. It's natural to have a left and a right, a male and a female. And he names them all. You ever think about how long that might have taken? Uh, just think of it. Uh, Tranosaurus Rex. Hmm. Elephant. Rhinosaurus. You know, I think he might have got tired and started using three-letter words. Dog, cat, rat. <laughs> I don't know if that happened. I'm just kind of making it up. But we're told in Scripture, God let him do that. How wonderful. But no suitable helper was found fit for him, okay, corresponding to him. Not the same, but yet different, but fitting together. So God says, I'm not, this is the sixth day, by the way, and God said, I'm not finished with you, Adam. We've got a ways to go. And this is what happened, verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and while he slept, took one of the ribs and closed up its place with flesh. The first surgery performed on earth was God dealing with man, taking something out of his side like a rib. And I'm just going to throw this out there so you know the only bone in your body, if taken out, will regrow is the rib. Well, pretty interesting, huh? And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. God brought the woman to the man. And I'm here to tell you, he flips out. <laughs> He's besides himself. <laughs> we know that because of the original language, the Hebrew. This is the first poetry in the Bible. And it is believed he's saying it. If somebody gives me a rap beat, I'll, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's take a look at how he just, he's, wow, he's up, excited. And then the man said, and notice the indentation, this at last. Whew, he's happy. <laughs> Finally, at last, this is bone of my bones. Notice this. Bone of my bones? See the connection? The pairing? Uh, light? Darkness, day, night, sea, land, <laughs> uh, flesh of my flesh, the pairing, she shall be called woman. He calls her woman. Man is ish, isha is woman. We see the name together. Whoa, man. <laughs> I think he was going, whoa, man, she's beautiful. Because she was taken out of man. You got to see this as poetry. I want to tell you about my father. He wrote poetry to my mother. And my mom kept that card all her life until she died. Okay. When they were 
dating. Roses are red, violets are blue. I hope I'm the man that married you, that marries you. My mom just loved My father was not a poet. <laughs> I was shocked when I read that. Have you ever written poetry? Hmm? Yeah. Have you ever sang to you? Don't, please. If you, <laughs> My wife would cut me off. Okay, but we learned from Adam. He was so excited. Poetry, music, 24. This is what marriage is about, what it looks like. From the beginning, therefore, a man, notice this, a man shall leave his father and his mother. A man shall leave his father and his mother, he's leaving, and hold fast to his wife. Leaving, cleaving. It doesn't mean you ignore mom and dad. It doesn't mean you now have no responsibility to your mom and dad. It doesn't mean the fourth commandment, honor father and mother is null and void. No, you leave. That's part of marriage. We understand it. You cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. A weaving takes place. You know, if you take your hands and try to hold on like this, but if you weave them together, your fingers, boy, you have a strong connection left and right. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Now, if you know the rest of that story, soon they fall and gosh, there's all kinds of trouble. From this point forward, it is man and woman that construe marriage and make a mess out of it. Boy, you got Sodom and Gomorrah. Whether it was consensual or forced, it was still wrong. When Lot, even though he was drunk, had incest with his daughters. Just because he was drunk doesn't make it right. When the patriots married more than one woman, just because they were patriots doesn't make it right for one man to marry more than one woman. Just because the king, David, had an affair and committed murder doesn't mean what he did was right. Throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, it is mankind that construes, messes up, misinterprets what God said in the beginning. No different than today. I want to share with you now what this church ablaze, believes about marriage. In fact, it's a very old writing and saying about marriage. I did a little research. I know it's over 500 years old. It's what we adhere to. If you're listening to me online, this is what ablaze believes about marriage. Not every church believes this. There are many churches that do not accept this narrow view on marriage. They believe in a very broad view of marriage. I'm just here to warn you, just because something is broad and big doesn't make it better. Jesus warned us, listen, 
broad and big and wide is the road to destruction, but narrow and small is the door to life. Let me share with you this, and I want you to know wholeheartedly, this is what I believe. When a man and a woman come together, we say these words. We write them down so people understand. We're gathered here in the sight of God and of his church to witness and bless the joining together of this man and this woman in holy marriage. Something sacred, unique. This is an honorable estate which God himself has instituted and blessed and by which he gives us the very picture of the communion of Christ and his bride, the church. The Bible begins with marriage, Adam and Eve in the beginning. It ends with marriage, Jesus, the groom coming for his bride, the church. And the marriage and commitment between a man and a woman is the commitment between God and his disciples and the disciples and God. The church. God has both established and sanctified marriage and promised to bless therein all who love and who trust in him and who seek to give him their faithful worship and service for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. The union of husband and wife, notice, husband and wife in body, mind, and soul. Notice, she says, love the Lord your God with all your body, all your mind, and your soul, all three of you. Like God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triune, you, you are triune. You have a body, mind, and soul. And it's with all of you, you should love God. And with all of you, body, mind, and soul, you should love your spouse and your neighbor as a follower of Jesus Christ. But why did God give us marriage? For the mutual joy, for the help. Remember, a helper suitable for him. And the comfort given one another in prosperity and adversity. And when it is God's will for the procreation of children. Proof positive. It's natural. Because you can produce children. That makes it natural. For the procreation of children and their nurture and knowledge in the love of the Lord. Therefore, marriage is not to be entered into inadvisedly or lightly, but reverently, deliberately, and in accordance for the purpose it was instituted by God. And then the traditional vows. Whether you like traditional vows or not, they are important. Listen to maybe the vows you once took. Refresh them, renew them, think about them. To the man and to the woman. In I, repeat after me, I would say, in the presence of God and these witnesses, take you to be my wife, to be my husband. Notice, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, to love and to cherish until death parts us. Meaning the church says, listen, we know what God wrote. We believe in it. And it's until death do us part. Hmm. Why do we write it down? Why do we say those words at a wedding? So people get it. But can it be misconstrued? Oh, yeah. It's like the pastor who had his son at a wedding. On the way home, they're driving and the pastor's son said, Dad? He goes, yes. 
Just how many wives can a man have? The father goes, what do you mean? Well, today you said 16 at the wedding. And the son goes, well, son, what do you mean 16? He says, you said four for better, four for worse, four for richer, four for poor. That's 16, dad. <laughs> and so the dad said, now, son, you misconstrued what I said. And so he got out his Bible and the vows, and he said, let me show you. It's F-O-R, not F-O-U-R. It's not for number. It's for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. It's all about commitment because love is commitment. And he explained it to his son. He says, oh, Dad, thank you so much for explaining that to me. Whew. Now, if you can understand that little story, you can understand what happened during the time of Jesus. So many people misconstrued things because for 4,000 years in the beginning to the time of Jesus, marriage was so misconstrued. Let me tell you about the time and the age 2,000 years ago during the time of Jesus. Men took unnatural marital rights with other men. Women took unnatural marital rights with other women. Fathers forced marital rights on their daughters and their sons. Religious leaders took unnatural marital rights with men and women. The government authority people in charge would take marital rights with their brother's wife. Government leaders took marital rights with animals. You think it's bad today? Where would that all come from? Well, the religion of the day was, was mythology. And the Greek gods, there were so many of them, hundreds of them. Everything was a Greek god. And they would take marital rights, the gods, small g, with humans. Gods would have marital rights and marry animals and produce horsemen. That's what people believed. And the gods would marry brothers and sisters. And men followed along with those teachings. It was no big deal. Sound a little familiar? What could happen and might happen or does happen? From the beginning to today, 2022, marriage has been misconstrued. And among the religious, the so-called disciples, 
of the God of the Old Testament. They made a mockery out of marriage. Let me say that again. The so-called followers, disciples of the Creator, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees made a mockery out of marriage. They allowed anybody to get a divorce based upon incompatibility. For any reason, any cause, you could show incompatibility. From day one, a man and a woman are incompatible. <laughs> They're opposites. Their plumbing is different. Okay? But God created them to come together and to live compatibly, which means with suffering. That's what compatible means, with suffering under him. To follow him and suffer. To pick up your cross, I dare say. Hmm. Be willing to die for your vow and commitment until death do us part. That's all part of marriage. So the leaders of the day come running to Jesus and they ask him a question. <laughs> Confused about marriage because it's so misconstrued. Knowing the time and what's happening in the Roman world with the government and in the children of Israel, they come to Jesus and they try to trip him up and ask him a question. And Jesus, once and for all, let me say that again. Jesus, once and for all, says, let me clarify it. For the world, for the Jews, for the Gentiles, for the Romans, for anybody who can listen. He doesn't judge. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't get upset. He just says, I'm paraphrasing here, really? Do I really need to do this? Thank God it's written down. Like that preacher had to tell his children, let me show you what is written down, because what you hear, you can misconstrue. And let me read to you what Jesus said. He answered, have you not read? See this, I know if you leave today, and if you're listening to my voice, you have heard it, you have read it. You've seen it yourself. If that's all that happens today, what I've done here is successful. If you've read it. Because that's how Jesus begins. Haven't you read? And everyone here, and if you're listening to my voice online, you've heard this. There's no judgment. It's just, here it is, plain and simple. You can't misconstrue it. Haven't you read that the Creator, He distinguishes the God of the Bible, the one who created the heavens and earth from all the other gods, the one who said, let us make man in our image. According to Jesus, there's one God. 
the Creator, made them from the beginning, male and female, left and right hand, male and female, and said, therefore, this is God speaking, therefore, listen up, this is what you need to take home today, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, notice the father and the mother, and hold fast to his wife. See how beautiful that is? And the two, not three, not four, not five, the two, shall become one flesh. God's plan. Can't misconstrue it. Very basic. And it's the truth. What therefore God is joined together. It doesn't matter what the patriarchs did. Doesn't matter what Rome does. It doesn't matter what anybody says or does. What you need to know, plain and simple, is what God has done and recorded for you from the beginning. What therefore God has joined together. One man, one woman. Don't construe that. Don't make up what you want about it. Don't make it about you. Doesn't matter what the government says. Or what leaders do. Or Hollywood does. What therefore God has joined together. Let man not separate. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. So what are you going to take home? What's this all about? This is very difficult for me to preach like this. Why? Because I know the world you and I live in and what the world is doing and how we have to deal with this with family members, brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, nieces and nephews. But I want you to notice, number one, Jesus doesn't condemn. He just speaks the truth. Love never fails. Why? Because love rejoices in the truth. As a disciple who follows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, part of picking up your cross is standing on the truth, Jesus. That the hill I'm going to die on is Jesus. I will never deny Jesus. I'll follow Jesus. And if you follow Jesus... You'll find very good. He doesn't condemn people. He loves people and forgives them. If you're living in a lifestyle that is unnatural, if you're living in a marital relationship with someone you should not be, if you're continuing in a sin, that you know is a sin because the Holy Spirit has brought it to your attention. If you're in an, an addiction, which could be many things, right? Alcohol, drugs, gambling, lying, deceiving. I have good news for you today. You ready? God loves you no matter what. God loves you. And I'm going to say this, I love you, because I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And there's another way. 
That's why Jesus calls us to be disciples. When things get construed, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the first step in following Jesus is the Holy Spirit moves you to confession. And what is confession? An acknowledgement you're not doing it right. If you're doing it according to the world and it doesn't correspond with Jesus or the word of God, it's wrong. And confession says, you know, I see that. I've read it. That's half of it. The next part is repentance. And folks, this is repentance. I'm going to turn from that way. I'm going to turn to Jesus. That's why the altar is up here. That's pretty simple. He says, you know, I'm not going to do it that way anymore. I'm going to do it God's way. And Jesus says, just come follow me. And when you do that, Jesus says, you're forgiven. Every sin you've ever committed is wiped clean. I will forget it. And you get a fresh new start. Let me tell you, he's done that to me so many times. Because I'm a poor, miserable sinner. And I want you to experience forgiveness and a new life and walk with Jesus. And if you haven't done that, I'm here to encourage you. And daily, we need to remember our baptism when we were forgiven, washed clean and started over. And if you haven't been baptized, (laughs) it's a good way to get started. Confession, repentance, God's absolution is the power to turn around and see things and quit getting things construed. Relying on God to direct. And that's why he wrote everything down for us. (laughs) That's why we held up the Bible and said, this is what we believe and we're going to follow it no matter what the world says. That is my prayer for you. And when you go home and you talk to somebody and you have to relate to somebody who may not see marriage this way or live this way, don't judge. Share the truth in a gentle, kind, loving way. Because love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love always rejoices with the truth. (laughs) Love is a commitment, not an emotion or a feeling. It's a commitment to follow Jesus, to be Christ-like, to forgive as I have been forgiven, and to share that truth. May we understand this a little better. This morning, amen.